Welcome back to this audio-only teaching through the book of Genesis coming out of Saar Fellowship in Bahrain with me, Pastor James Travis. In our last episode, we spelled out in a little bit of detail why we're going to look at the book of Genesis, and today we're going to jump right in. So rather than me reading you the full chapter of Genesis 1, uh, I would suggest that you pause this podcast and go and read Genesis 1 now if you haven't done already. So if you need to hit pause and go and read Genesis 1, then do, because we're going to move through it, look at some key verses, and generally look at the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why. There's quite a lot going on in Genesis chapter 1, so we'll see uh, how we are going for time. And if we need to split this into a couple of teachings, then we will do. So go ahead, hit pause, go read Genesis chapter 1. And we'll come back in a minute when you have done. Good, hopefully that was long enough for you to read Genesis 1. So we come to Genesis chapter 1, as we said in our introduction, knowing that uh, knowing that there is a God, believing that there is a God, and we come to the Bible, we come to God's Word to us, that we carry around in the Bible, wanting to know more about God, wanting to understand God, and we come to Genesis to see where it all began. So we'll start, shall we, right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm reading from the ESV. says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I love that start. In the beginning, God. And from this point onwards, throughout the rest of his word to us, it's just taken as a fact that God is. In the beginning, God. So we come to the Bible knowing that there is a God. And we can look around at the world around us. I don't know where you are in the world right now. Wherever we are, it doesn't really matter. We look around and we can see through God's general revelation to us that we read about in, in Psalm 19 in Romans chapter 1. We look around at the world around us, his general revelation. We see that the heavens and the sky and the world around us really does declare the handiwork of God. I don't know if you've ever looked at a beautiful sunset or a, a clear starry night sky, maybe a, a huge mountain, and just thought, wow, this is what the Bible's talking about with the heavens declaring the handiwork of God. You look at this stuff and you just think, there has to have been somebody behind the beauty of what I'm looking at right now. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word translated as created is bara, and that means created from nothing. And that's really difficult for us to wrap our heads around with our finite human minds, but from absolutely nothing. God created. And that puts into perspective really the the power and the ability and the will and the want of, of, of the person of God that we are dealing with. From nothing he can create everything that we see. From nothing God creates everything. Something else wonderful about this verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Again, we look to the original language of Hebrew. And where we read God, it's the Hebrew word Elohim. And that's a plural word used here in the singular. So it's a word that is usually used to describe more than one person here, used as if we are talking about one. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 
we see the Trinity. We see the Godhead. We see the plural word used as a singular. So we see that our God is three in one. And there's a a very famous quote by a a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Simeon ben Joachim. I'm sorry, I've probably made a, a hash in that pronunciation. But he talks about this word Elohim. And he says, come and see the mystery of the word Elohim. There are three degrees, and each degree by itself alone. And yet notwithstanding, they are all one, and joined together in one, and are not divided from each other. So there we are, Genesis 1.1. And we've got this Godhead three in one. And as we continue through this very first paragraph, uh, verse 2 talks about the fact that the earth was uh, without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So Genesis 1.1, we've got an introduction to the Trinity, the triune God. And in Genesis 1.2, we see the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And I don't know about you, but... There was a time in my Christian walk where I would have said, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts. That's where the Holy Spirit is first seen. But here we turn to page one of the Bible, the second verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So straight away we've got an introduction to the triune God and the Holy Spirit of God. Right in Genesis chapter 1. And as we continue through Genesis chapter 1, then we see God creating all that there is to be created. And like I said, we're not going to read paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs together. But a few key things that really stand out to me. As we look at verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, and 28... They've all got this phrase, and God said. And that's how things are created. The power of the voice of God is just something, again, that we cannot understand, we cannot comprehend. And it makes me think back to that wonderful story in John chapter 11, where Lazarus, friend of Jesus, has died. And Jesus finds out, says, let's wait a couple of days, then we'll go. And they get there and, and Lazarus's family say to him, thanks for coming essentially, but he's, uh, he's, he's already dead. And Jesus says, you know, roll that stone back, open the tomb, open the grave. And the response comes, well, he's been dead a few days, so he probably smells really bad. And if you read it in the King James, it actually says, he stinketh. And Jesus says, no, no matter, open it up. And with his voice, calls Lazarus, resuscitates Lazarus with his voice. The power of the voice and the word of our God is just something that we, with our finite human minds, will never, ever understand. But here in Genesis 1, we see God said, Let there be light, let there be an expanse, let the waters under the heavens be gathered, let the earth sprout vegetation. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens and on and on and on. And God says things and it happens. The power of the voice of God is a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to behold. And in verse 3 we see, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now really interestingly, this is before the sun and the moon. 
are put in place. Because we get that in verses 14 to 19. And if we flick forwards in our Bibles, right the way to the end, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 5, speaks to this. That really, we think we need the sun and the moon to give us light. But Revelation 22, verse 5 We pick it up about halfway through. We read, They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And of course, they were talking about the uh, the new heavens, the new earth, renewed creation. But right back at the start in Genesis, we see that there was light present in God's creation, even before the sun and the moon. And very literally, let there be light and there was light. Very, very literally, it says, light be, light was. So God says, light be, and it happens. And he thinks that this light is good. And again, we come to the Bible, and wherever it doesn't produce an absurdity or something that would contradict what we know of the character of God, we take the Bible very literally. And there's no reason here for us not to take this literally. God is creating, and God says, light be. There was light. And that's the first day of creation. And the second day, God creates heaven and sky. And verse 7 is very interesting. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And if you read around this, you'll come up with some stuff about, was there a, a vapor blanket? God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. Was this a vapor blanket around the world, some kind of global greenhouse protection? If you look it up, there's some very interesting things to be read about that. So the second day is heaven and sky. As we get to the third day, we read in verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. So we've got dry land appearing, we've got waters being gathered into oceans and seas. And as we get to verse 11, Here comes vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit. And here we see that there's not millions of years of evolution between all these things. God says, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. And again, if you read around this, you're going to see that fossils actually support the Genesis account of creation, not evolution. And I read that Charles Darwin's strongest opponents were actually fossil experts. And again, if you look into it, there's lots of reading to do. It's a a widely written about and researched subject. But yeah, essentially, Charles Darwin's strongest opponents to evolution were fossil experts who, I'm paraphrasing, have not found one single transition in fossil evidence from one species to another, which totally supports the Genesis account. So that's day three, vegetation, plants, not millions of years, but three days into creation. 
As we get to day four in verse 14 to 19, God says, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. So here is the sun and the moon. But as we said, back in verse 3, there is already light in God's creation because he is present in his creation. Here we've got the sun, the moon, and the stars to give order to our day, to give night and day. We read in uh, verse 18 again, the sun rules over the day, the moon over the night, and it separates light from darkness. And again, God saw that it was good. As we get to day five of creation in verse 20, we read, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Here we've got instantly aged creation. So the idea that everything evolved from a single-celled creature blob things is just not so. We're reading God's word. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heaven. So God creates fish and birds and he goes on to create animals, other kinds of animals. And they're flying, they're swimming. These are not tiny single-celled things god creates with the with the appearance of age they are aged instantly and with with the sun the moon and the stars we see that god is ordered and god is a god of precision and and and, and likes detail and, and things to be done properly and it's the same here with the fish and the birds and we see in verse 21 that god created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. And we read that around about 10 times in this chapter, according to its kind. So God is a God of precision. God is a God of order. God is a God who does things on purpose for a reason. And there is purpose behind this wonderful creation of his that we have been given temporary stewardship over as long as we live on his earth. So that's day five. Day six, verses 24 and 25, we read, Let the earth bring forth living creatures, again, according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth, according to their kinds. And it was so. This is almost a continuation of day five. We've got fish, we've got birds. Now we've got livestock and creeping things, things that live on the earth. And that was day number six. And then day six seems to continue in verse 26. Then God said, let us make men in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man, mankind, you and me, us, have been given this temporary responsibility of stewardship over God's creation. And what a wonderful privilege it is for you and me as as human beings that we read, let us make man, mankind, in our image, after our likeness. We take from this that you and me as human beings have intrinsic value, whether we do anything or nothing. 
We have value. Our life has value. We have dignity because we are made in God's image. Again, let us make men in our image after our likeness. I read that we have a created consistency with God. And we don't want to go down the road where we are all little gods. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not what the Bible teaches. But our lives have value. Our lives have dignity because we are made in the image of God. Verse 27 is wonderful. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So our personality, our morality, our spirituality is from God's own image. And what a wonderful thing that is for us. God created man in his own image. And then the rest of Genesis chapter 1 is essentially God giving some instructions to his creation. We read God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29 says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So this is a wonderful, self-sufficient, perfect environment that God has made for his creation. In verse 31, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God works for six days. And as we get into Genesis chapter 2, we'll see that God takes one day of rest. He rests to show his completion, to show that his creation is complete. And this really is the, the pattern that we probably should be adapting for our work, for our lives. We are working, we are about God's business for six days, but it's so important that we take a day of rest, a day where we stop and pause and and contemplate some of these wonderful truths that we are made in God's image, that we do have temporary stewardship over his creation and the responsibility that that brings. So here God sets for us the pattern of work six, rest one, and that's not going to jive very well with with lots of people is it nowadays you know people are all about four day working weeks and extended vacations and and you know just trying to work as little as they can and and rest as much as they can but genesis chapter one shows us that god sets the pattern for work and rest god works for six and he rested for one but when he rests he rests properly working seven days a week is not healthy for anybody and if God shows us that working six and resting one is okay, then you know we should be taking a proper day of rest. So that's Genesis chapter 1. And again, we come to Genesis, we come to the Bible knowing that there is a God. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus quoted Genesis as historical record. And really, if Jesus is going to quote something as, as true and as right, then who are we? disagree.
Next time we'll get into Genesis chapter 2. We'll see the seventh day. We'll see God resting. We'll see the creation of man and woman. We'll see God's pattern for marriage. We'll continue our study through Genesis together. And until then, God bless.